You are listening to the 10 Minute Entrepreneur Podcast with host Sean Castrina. Okay, I'm excited about today's podcast. I have an author of the upcoming book, Hypernomics. He's going to tell us how he uses hidden dimensions to solve unforeseen problems, or probably how we can <laughs> we can use hidden dimensions to solve unforeseen problems in our businesses. Doug Howarth, great to have you on the podcast today. Sean, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. All right. Fancy word, hypernomics. So what what why are you so fascinated with this subject matter that would make you write a book about it? Well, um, I used to see quite a few businesses fail for reasons I didn't understand. So I started to do some digging and I discovered that there's uh, something that markets do, which is they set a, a, a limit for themselves, a frontier, which we call the demand frontier. And it, and it works out that very often companies suppose that they can exceed this frontier because they haven't studied it. And it also works out that companies could uh, often misprice their, their products, either underprice them. So for example, in aerospace, which is where I came from, that the Eclipse aviation people dramatically underpriced their Eclipse 500 jet and they got more orders than they could handle and they went bankrupt. Uh, some people overpriced their products. So for example, the original DeLorean was uh, overpriced and they supposed that they were gonna build more than the demand limits would uh, suppose. So I've discovered this field, we call it hypernomics because hyper, the suffix, refers to something occurring in more than three dimensions. So our stuff starts in four dimensions and goes from there. And nomics is kind of a variation of the uh, suffix nonomy, which means a field of study. So hyper, the prefix, anonymy means a, a field of study uh, incurring in four or more dimensions. Okay, how can I apply this as an entrepreneur? Because I, I love how you started it off with and and you're so, you know, it's it's so... Markets do have a limit. Yes. You know, everything, everything, everything has a limit. And when you right. hear Warren Buffett and, and Charlie Munger give one of their annual addresses, they, they always seem like the smartest guy on the planet because right. they, seem, they seem to be the one that says, well, this is selling for this. And this is why we bought it for that and why we right. would never pay this. Right, right. Well, interestingly, uh, to answer another question first, uh, we, we actually have applied this to the stock market. And over the last 40 months, we're doing better than the major indices. And in fact, we're doing twice as well as, as the S&P 500, from which we drew all of our stocks. So it, it works in the stock market. But it, what it does for an entrepreneur, to get back to your first question, is it helps lay out the the, the battlefield, if you will, if the, if the market's a battlefield, it tells you what people, where the limits are and how the market's responding to the various features that are being provided to it. So for example, if you were going to build a new electric car, you'd be very interested in how the market responds to range and how it responds to horsepower. And there, there are ways to actually derive that information from the analytics. And then you can figure out what the market's going to pay for the range and the horsepower, you can see what your costs are. You can compare one to the other and figure out the best place for you to enter the market where you've got the least amount of competition and the most potential for profit. That's what the, uh, that's what the book's trying to figure out. And, and that, you know, the, there is the, it, it's funny, you know, I, let, let's just apply it if we can, because I'm going to tell you how I've done it in service companies. Okay. Sure. So I, I own a lot, a lot of service companies and I just started one about three months ago. 
uh-huh. and I always like to beta test everything. So I, oh, even when I start idea. a company, I never say I like so much like I started a company. I always say, no, I'm in the six months of beta testing, whether I have the idea that wow. I thought I did. Excellent. Right. It's, it's, a real, it's not a company until it's a year old. Sure. Uh, right. Whatever you think, it's not a company. I mean, I tell you five years, but but just right. for, for conversation, I always tell sure. people, you know, a year from now, come ask me and I'll I'll either tell you I was a genius or an idiot or somewhere <laughs> somewhere in between. Sure. Right. Because, you know, I know that there's there's testing. Uh, you know, right. I, you know, I get, you know, legendary theologian Mike Tyson said, you know, everybody's got an idea, <laughs> everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth, and that's right. the way the way the business is. So, right. It, so I I hired two people to do estimates, right, for this one service company, and sure. you know, and the one guy went out and he contracted six out of seven. Okay, yeah. that's great. And then I beta tested the second guy and he contracted three out of four. And so my staff was like, oh my gosh, this is great. This is great. This is great. You know, we'll, we'll just keep sending them out there. I go, no, we're going to raise our prices. I said, because that <laughs> you, you can't contract that good that, that we failed. Just statistically, statistically, 50% would have been great. Sure. We're at 75% or more. That's good, but we got to keep pushing the ceiling. And so I said, take our pricing up another 25% and just see if we, if we, if we hit the ceiling, if, if our numbers drop a little bit, well, then we know we're getting there. Right. You right. know, we kind of know where it's at us, but right now we have, you know, we're leaving money on the table. Yes. In fact, that what you, you're, the example you gave is, is exactly what happened to Eclipse Aviation, which was started by the uh, seventh employee at Microsoft, a guy named Vern Rayburn. And, uh, he thought he was going to build planes like other people, like Microsoft built computers. And it turned out that because his price was so low, in fact, it was only about 40% of what it should have been. He had a, a surf, surplus of orders, back to your point, more people wanted it than should have wanted it. And he, he couldn't handle the demand. He couldn't make his margins and he went bankrupt on the, on the deal. But it does work in the service industry too. So for example, if you're going to push a, a, for example, a uh, person in a train in, in the uh, bullet trains. So out here, we're in California, out here in California, they're making a bullet train. You might say, well, what's the value of a seat? Well, if you study the size of the, the, the seat area for the Japanese bullet trains, and you study the distance that they go, and the net speed that they offer, and you compare that to the price, you get this response that shows you what the what the value of that train trip is from all those variables, and it turns out that the the variables that California is looking at right now they've they've actually underpriced their proposed ticket ticket sales. Uh, the ticket is roughly about half of what it should be. Back to your original point, and so that's. A, <laughs> and then I say, yeah. is anything running correctly in California? <laughs> I mean, it's it, it, I haven't in, found all, it. in all sincerity, <laughs> um, I don't want to go on either side of the aisle. Yeah, right. I have, yeah. I have, other than sunshine, I have yeah, not seen sunshine. many things working in California lately. That, uh, yeah, I, I, that's a long story, Sean. Thank you. Exactly. For that. yes. That's a, that's a, that's a whole, that's a whole nother book. So right. in, in your book, I, I guess this is, you know, I always like to make this practical so that a 12 year old can, can, can understand it um, yeah. or at least apply it. Sure. What what is the key things in hypernomics that an entrepreneur looking to start a business? I, I want you to make this applicable to them because that that's a, the audience we have. Like maybe some simple things 
because obviously, you know, we, you know, we, we can make this really complicated in aerospace, but the application is still the same. At the end of the yeah. day, you underprice something that there would have been an incredible demand. There was an incredible demand for, and you, you, you kind of crapped the bed because you went right you too low. Well, interestingly, I, I the the best answer to that in, in terms of simplicity is it, it relates to a little story that came, came to me just a few weeks ago. I got done at running on a trail and I stopped at the end of the trail and I just looked down for a minute and I saw an ant. So an ant is not not supposedly as smart as a 12-year-old. And so I saw this ant and it was going in a counterclockwise direction. It was kind of you know, doing this little ant thing. It was going a little bit this way, a little bit this way, but it generally went counterclockwise. And I thought it was making a circle. By the time it got to 360 degrees of rotation from when I started to watch it, 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 was, it was just a little bit wider out than the its starting point. And then it made another circle, which was wider still. And then it did another circle, still wider than that. And then I realized in an instant that that ant was doing reconnaissance. So I raced back home and looked up ant reconnaissance on Google, and it turns out that ants do reconnaissance. And so what ants do, and what people do, is they try to find the open space where they don't have any other comp competing uh, groups of ants. There's no other anthill next to them. They want to find a place that's clean and dry. They actually use a weighted, a weighted average of all the features that they like, just like people do. And they try to make sure that it's away from the other the ant, other ant colonies so that they don't have any competition. So it's that's just, why I would explain it to a 12-year-old is do what the ants do, which is, you know, stay away from stay away from competition and, and find a place you like. And uh, in this case, you can prove it mathematically. But the general idea is find a place that you like. And that, that's what will get you the, the best results by the end of the day. Yeah, I, I've said, you know, I've ne competition has never bothered me only because I know what to learn from them. Right. Exactly. Well, that's that's hugely important, Sean. Yeah. In fact, what comes out of this is that uh, we we study how all the consumers are looking at all the competitors in in a given field, and what we we understand is that the the customers, this is what comes out of hypernomics. The the, the producers may set an initial price, but the the true price, the true value, is set by the consumer. And so, because the value is set by the consumer, the prices eventually will gravitate to the values that they determine. And the only way you're going to get that is by studying all your competitors in the field and then figuring out how the market's reacting to them. And, and then position there... yourself away from them. That's the, yeah. that would be. And that's what Tesla did. I mean, yes. look at oh, Tesla. Tesla's perfect. They're a perfect example of that. Yes. Exactly. Everybody went with that low priced, you know, ugly, you know, electric car that everybody, you right. know, that everybody knew you were driving an electric car because nothing could be that ugly or that small or that slow. <laughs> Wasn't it? was like it was like a big wheel with bumpers. And 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 then you know, and somebody said, wait, wait, there there is some yeah. bit of masculinity still out there. And they want a car that just when you hit the gas, it picking, you know, it moves. And guess what? We can charge an extra sixty thousand dollars for this, and we'll have right. a waiting list. <laughs> That's perfect, Sean. That's great. Yeah, because <laughs> that's, that's that's what happened, though. Yeah. Very interestingly, Tesla not only did they pioneer you know mass production of electric cars, but they they actually found the open spaces in the market. When they've got went into those open spaces, the market bloomed for them. Tesla three is a is a perfect example of that. They had Tesla had in the you know in the early two thousand tens had their Tesla Performance S. If there were like four variants of that. 
And then there was down at the bottom of the market, there was the Nissan Leaf, but there wasn't anything really in the middle that was appealing to people that had been produced in mass. And so when Tesla came out with the, the Tesla 3, oh my God, the market just, they loved it. They went berserk. I mean, here in California, there are Tesla 3s all over the place and, and all, the, all the other flavors of Tesla. It's, uh, but they, they, they do that intuitively and we show you how to do it you know, using maths and mathematics. And so that that's the difference. Yeah. And that, I think you know. Apple was another great example of that oh, as well. Perfect. Yeah. Everybody sure. had the cheap phones per se, you know, the uh, phone. It was it was a utilitarian product at the time. If anybody right. had anything different, maybe it was the Blackberry. Right. But you know, it had a you know some flaws and flaws in that. And then Apple just made this thing that literally was like, no, we're gonna we're gonna make you so we're gonna make you love this so depend like it, it made it almost like an <laughs> extension of you. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's become a third arm for some people. So yeah, it's, it's and then they can charge you know a thousand fourteen hundred dollars, right? And for, buy you buy know, it. It just it, it's ex insane. So what if okay if you had a son who was starting a business mm -hmm. and you could give him a quick hypernomics of, of 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 what he should do give me the hypernomics talk to a young entrepreneur how they can apply this okay well i, I tell him i said you know first of all i'm sure you've done this several times sean because i've read your bio and you've started several businesses so you probably want to find a field that you like to begin with so find a field that you like and then see if there is a a gap in the market that you could fill using hypernomics, which is to say, if there's something that somebody hasn't built, our, our little phrase for what we try to get people to do is to find, find the spot where, uh, find the spot where customers get what they want, don't have, and can afford. What they want, don't have, and can afford. All those three things are, are key. You can give something that somebody doesn't want and nobody will buy it. You can give something that they can't afford and they won't be able to buy it. And you have to give them something that they don't have. And, and so what you don't want to do is co-locate your product with a bunch of other products in the area. So I would tell him to figure out what market that he wants to go into and find out what it wants, doesn't have, and can afford. That's what I would tell him. And then do a beta test. I, we've never done what you're doing. I think that's brilliant. Do a beta test on it and see how, what comes out of that then. That would be, that would be fabulous. Yeah, I I, t I love your three points there. I thought I was a genius, but I'm giving you credit for being a genius. I just wrote that down. Want, don't have, and can afford. That can right. afford is a sneaky one there you threw in there at the bottom. It's amazing. Yeah. No matter what you build, if people aren't willing to pay. Right. And that's one of our big beta tests is, is you know, you can have this whatever, you know, dinner theater, you know, it's a mm -hmm. movie dinner theater. But if people aren't willing to pay 40 bucks for the ticket, Right, exactly. It's completely, it's a complete moot point. And yes, so I, I like that. Can afford, that is really good. Want, don't have, and can afford. That that's actually that's really good. And I, yeah, my philosophy is beta test everything. Beta test sure. allows you to not go all in and waste money. Oh, sure, that's brilliant. It, yeah, it lets you go in in increments because if you start getting data that's not really appealing, a you can you you know where to start putting your money. You haven't wasted it because. You got a sure. battle on your hands. So you we tend to jump all in and we had spent all this money on computers and office space and all that. We don't even know if we got anything that works. Right. Right. You know, when we might have a fight on our hands that we could right. win if we if we kept some of the, you know, gunpowder, you know, and we didn't waste it. <laughs> but we throw it into, you know, we 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 don't save it for the the beta test and to overcome that test. 
Yeah, and, and sometimes the you know, and especially in uh, the some of the bigger markets. So, for example, in, uh, in business aviation, there was a there was there was a company called Arion A E R I O N that was going to make a supersonic business jet. And in fact, they were busy working on it up there in uh, Reno. And uh, we did a little analytics on their cost. They, they actually posted a development cost that they had. And that, that had the right number of digits. It seemed reasonable. So they, they got the cost right. And then we, <clears throat> we looked at the value of the product. And they wanted to charge $120 million. And so this is going supersonic. And it turns out there's a high return for speed in the business tech community. And if you did some equations, some equations would support 120 or even higher. And then it came to demand. So now, um, for those of you out who are listening that are rock and roll fans, you may have heard of uh, Meat Loaf, uh, Mr. Loaf to you, Meat to his yeah. friends. Great album in the mid-70s. <laughs> <laughs> right. Meat Loaf had a uh, song entitled, Two Out of Three Ain't Bad. Well, so Arion had worked out the development cost. The cost was good. They worked out the value. The value was good, but they didn't work out the demand very well. And it turns out that they were in a position in which the market was moving towards what they wanted to do. They wanted to sell 300 of these planes in 10 years. And so the market was moving to from when they started, the market would have supported maybe 40 over 10 years. And by the time five years had passed, it got to the point where it might have sold 65, but they wanted to sell 300 and there wasn't enough market for it. So I called them on it. In December of 2020, you can look at my LinkedIn file. I said, worth every penny, not not enough pennies. And uh, somebody from Arion, in fact, a guy I knew from Lockheed, wrote and said, well, we're all wet. We just got a big order in and we're going to make it. And I go, good for you. Your order's still way short. You won't make it. And six months later, they went bankrupt and they stopped writing me. So the the, the thing is, is that there's a whole bunch of facets to business. We try to break it down to three key components, cost, value, and demand. And uh, if you don't get all three components right, two out of three is bad. You, you need three out of three. If you don't get them all correct, you won't make money. And if you don't make money, what, you know, that's, what's the point of a company? That's the goal of the company. You know, we took what I thought would be an intimidating subject matter because in all my research, I did not know what it was until you came on the show. I reviewed oh, great. it twice. But we literally took hypernomics and made it. We we I don't ever like to say anything dumbed down because then I'm dumb and I'm not far from dumb. <laughs> I just like things explained to me in such a way that I can explain it to another human being. Right. So I, was, I can I may understand it. But I, I think you do. In fact, I want to be able to explain it to somebody else and teach them what I just learned today. Yeah, well, the, the other way to look at it too, Sean, is that it takes, I like to tell everybody, it takes what you know and puts it into something you haven't seen, but you knew anyway. So, for example, in, in the classic economics, they talk about an upward sloping supply curve and a downward sloping demand curve. And if you read any introductory econ textbook, and in fact, even the advanced ones, they'll talk about a single point equilibrium. Well, just take something as simple as ground beef. There, if you go to the corners, if you go to your corner Walmart, you'll find that they have a whole bunch of different types of ground beef there. They've got the really lean stuff, the next lean stuff, a little bit less lean stuff, and the stuff is kind of fatty. And they got all these different packages from one pound to five pounds. And then if you go to the wholesale market, you'll find there's hundred pound packages. And instead of having one price for all this beef, there's just there's hundreds of prices for the beef. 
And it turns out there's a way to, to work that out mathematically. And it turns out that that, what we call that, that value parameter, value goes up as you get more of the features you want. So value goes up as it gets leaner and you get a bigger package size. But the, at the same time, on, in another realm, as the price goes up, the quantity sold falls. And it turns out that both of these things have the same uh, common base, which is the price axis. And so this is, so in this, that, that three-dimensional thing, the, 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 the leanness, the package size, and the price, that's a 3D thing, and the demand and the price, well, three plus two come together and form four. So three plus two equals four in hypernomics. And so that, this is stuff you already knew it's just been rearranged so that you can see it more clearly. I like to liken it to what uh, um, Brunelleschi did back in the uh, early 1400s. Filippo Brunelleschi was the guy that designed the dome at Florence. He was an architect and uh, an engineer. And he was the first person to really understand that the perspective that most paintings had had up to that point was, was incorrect. You'd see a bunch of paintings that would have oblique angles to it. But if you ever look down a long highway or a long hallway, you notice that the points kind of converge down to the bottom. The points all collapse to what's known as the vanishing point. And Brunelleschi basically worked out a way to do vanishing point art and architecture and engineering. And, you know, the, all those fields have changed ever since. Well, this is collapsing everything down to a single dimension, a single line instead of a single point. And that's what this does. And it's using stuff you already know it's just been rearranged. That's and so we walk you through the book walks you through all these steps of taking things that you know, and this works it up to the point where you you get a real good understanding. I mean, I, I, mean, I discovered the field. I had to teach myself all this stuff, and when I first came up with it, uh, I didn't understand it until I started to walk myself through the steps. And that that's how we came. So when, up with I see anybody listening to this podcast. When does fidelity go? Hey, listen, tell me again about your two, two times the index. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're I mean, there's the real money, the money maker. Yeah. Let me just everything you shared from a monetization standpoint, the yeah. ability to double the S P index is the most yeah. is a pretty fairly good uh, skill set you have there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll send you. I, we've got a two page write up on that, and we've got a one page write up on the theory. So, or so I'll send you. I'll send you those little write ups. But yeah, that it's pretty. It, it the the more I got into it, the more I got convinced. So in you know, I noticed you've studied started all these businesses. Me, this took this was a decade long process to to actually build all these pieces out to the point where I was comfortable enough to put to, a book together on it. So um, it's uh, pretty neat. But stuff you know, here. it's it's been the topic of thirteen published papers and um, over four continents and a decade's worth of work. And um, just think if these companies would have had you on staff or, or at least on their board, you know, these big companies and you, you do your formula of three and you go, guess what? You got two out of three fellas. <laughs> well, you know, interestingly in large companies, a lot of people don't want to hear it when you've got yeah. something that doesn't, doesn't uh, basically support the company line. The company line might be that this director or program manager came up with a, you know, he had an engineer that came up with an idea and everybody wants to run down the hall with the idea especially in, again from aerospace they like the bright shiny objects and so this bright shiny object is when it came to that that business jet it goes faster than everybody else's wow speed i love speed i was going to replace the concord well people forgot the concord 
Yeah, I was financially say, yeah. was also a disaster. I was going to say, yeah. last I checked, the Concord really was not all that well, New, York, New York to England in a blink, but but no, you know, never it wasn't a money maker. No, they wanted to sell again. They wanted to sell three hundred. They built twenty, and so that was they they lost their all their money on that. You know, at the on the development. Now the people will tell you, well, they made it. They made money in in operations. No, nah, no, no. You don't start something to operate after you lost all your money out of production, and that's that's what happened to Arion. That's what happened to Concord, and that's what happens to a lot of businesses that don't take the time to do the analytics that we spell out now. That the analytics is a is a process that we claim that you need to do for just about anything. Now you're doing it by beta testing. That's yeah. perfect. I mean, you're going to get the results that way. Our, our method would be to actually go out and, and survey, I could say it's a dinner theater. You see what the other dinner theaters are charging and then go to the dinner theater and observe if they, how often they have a full house, for example. Yeah. And I agree with that method in that I always tell people this. Number one is I, I'll extract every piece of information I can possibly get from my from my competition. Oh, fabulous. Yeah, I would never do that. business that I didn't experience the full buying experience with my competition. Ah, excellent. From yeah. I mean, from beginning to end, from beginning mm -hmm. to warranty. Right. I want it from, right. okay, I ordered it. It was supposed to be here in this amount of time. Yes. How long did it take? How did it perform at the level I did? Are they so good that they don't need me? I mean, I've done oh, that yeah. before where I was going to start a business. I go, well, guess what? They're in my area within 30 minutes and I can't do it better than they're doing it. Hmm, I mean, I've had yeah. that happen before. I'm like, sure. I'm not needed because I don't want to offer a low end contrast. It doesn't right. fit my DNA. Sure, sure. You know, some people maybe would, but it doesn't fit mine, you know? And I'm right. like, well, the only way I could have competed is to off to, to bring down a low cost version of it, which uh -huh. I wouldn't want to do. You know, the low cost right. customer is the biggest pain in the rear end. Oh yeah, right, right, right. So right. I wouldn't I wouldn't want it. I've Doug Howarth with me here today. He is the author of Hypernomics: Using Dimensions to Solve Dimensions to Solve Unforeseen <laughs> Unforeseen Problems. And we went through the entire way that you can use this in business. But I think this is a book you have to read, and, and I'm going to read it because I think this is one of those books that I can't listen to on Audible. At the way I want to, I'm going to have to dive into. I'm going to feel like I'm yeah. going to be diving into this one, which I which I like. I'm good with well, that. Thank you, John. Appreciate that. Thank Thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoyed myself here. Thank you. No problem. It's great. Listen, right. go out and get the book Hypernomics. Um, again, we talked a lot about how it can help you in your business. If you could create a formula that could just keep you from failing at least half the rate that you're going to in entrepreneurship, whatever you spent for that book, add three zeros. It'll be worth it every, because I can tell you how many I failed on by not following his three. Do they want it? Okay. Do they want it? Um, you know, and I just love that, you know, um, they're, you know, can they afford it? You know, and, and what, what about it is not currently there that doesn't have, right. I like, I like that. That's just great formula. Thank you for, so much for listening to the podcast. Again, it's number one in a lot of places all over the world, every given day. That's because you tell others about it. I think it's because we keep it to the point. I want to thank you. The podcast brought to you by Gig Strategic, the best digital marketing company. We're going to talk again real soon. Thank you.